All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Datador Front Porch podcast. It is a new weekly podcast that Tyler and I will be recording uh, to talk about what is happening in the prop tech space and especially what's happening with Open Door, which is the main company you are covering right now. Um, we'll just see how it goes. Uh, it's our first episode. And uh, we have a few exciting topics. It was a quite eventful week or two weeks. Uh, but uh, as episodes goes on, go go on. You can also send us podcasts. Uh, sorry, you can also send us questions to podcast at data.io, and we will try to answer them as well. Uh, but maybe let's get started with the first topic, which is uh, a quite a big one. Eric Wu steps down. SEO uh, becomes president of Marketplace and um, Carrie Wheeler steps in SEO from CFO. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, it's been kind of a blockbuster two week period for, for Open Door with these news, right? Because Open Door is not a young company. Um, Eric has been you know, the co founder and CEO since inception in 2014. And so the news of him stepping down from uh, CEO to now president of Marketplace is notable for two reasons. One, it means he's no longer CEO, right? And Kerry Wheeler, CFO, um, and you know, formerly board member, is stepping into the CEO role. But two, that Eric is taking a job that previously hasn't existed for the company, right? He's now president of Marketplace, uh, which is a brand new product for the company, and it, I think, it speaks. It speaks one to how the company sees um, the difficult times ahead and the fact that they they kind of want a, a more wartime leader at the helm. Um, but I, th I think it also speaks to the fact that Eric is fundamentally a zero to one product person, right? He's a visionary. He's he's someone who, who um, uh, can really obsess over a consumer problem and and bring a a rare solution to light. And, and that's what he's really trying to do with marketplace. And I think that's the most sustainable expression of the iBuyer model that, that they're trying to run towards. Um, and so there's a lot to unpack with this, with this whole leadership change. Um, but a lot of strategy and, uh, and a lot of nuance. So one thing we've also seen in accompanying this uh, change is some other leadership changes. So, uh, we saw Andrew uh, stepping away from the company as um, he was the president. Uh, I'm not sure if he had an additional type, president operations or something like that. CEO, he was CEO or something. Okay. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's uh, it's tough always to lose to lose sort of a core critical member of of the company. I think. Um, you know, he's had some really uh, impactful roles at prior companies uh, scaling during growth. So companies like Netflix, um, I think, you know, he's he's definitely known as as more of a, a marketing mind. Like that's that's really his his core competency. And so I think losing him was was a surprise. Um, I think. I think you know we've also we've also heard that there's 
um, ruminations around the company around around his, him leaving as well that there that there might be some rationale for that that we haven't been able to confirm or or deny. Um, but it's 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 interesting. I mean, he's he's leaving basically as president of the company, and Eric is moving into that role um, with a with a specific distinction on marketplace. Yeah, you mentioned it's really hard for us from the outside to actually understand uh why these changes happened and usually it's not a positive sign if the ceo has to step down or be replaced by by a cfo um in in this case do you, if we try to speculate a little bit do you think it, it had something to do with what happened in the last three to six months and and that maybe Eric himself or the boards saw that um, for the next six to 12 months, will, which will be quite hard for the company, there needs something to change. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and it definitely puts a finer point on it. It's like, I think, I think for my part, I get, I have the opportunity of having so many conversations with ex open door employees or people who know the company well, but are no longer there, um, who are able to speculate and sort of speak to the com company culture and, and what might be going on behind closed doors, because it is at its heart, such a secretive company. And I think what I've learned is that, um, is that Eric really didn't like the, you know, the role of, of CEO at this time, speaking to investors and running this, you know, multiple thousands of employees company. He really, like I said, he's, he's a product guy and, um, and he wants to obsess over, over that product and his vision for what open door can, can become. And, and I imagine that there's a lot of administrative, uh, and probably not super enjoyable elements of the, of the day-to-day -day CEO life. And so, you take that in the context of the fact that open door didn't do well in this past year, right? Like, um, however, however you want to cut it and and regardless of whether or not you say that home prices fell faster than they really ever have in, in modern times, um, open door still bought far too many homes at, at precisely the wrong time. And I think, uh, for a publicly traded company worth several billion dollars that, uh, you know, that, that needs to be addressed, that needs to be investigated and looked into. And so I imagine that there were many conversations behind closed doors about who was to blame or who drove some of those inopportune purchases. And that probably led to certain people exiting and certain people shuffling um, uh, their role. And, and at the end of the day, it is a terrible time to be buying and selling homes at scale. I mean, it's, it's a down market. And I, and I think, um, you know, to navigate that crisis probably requires someone who's very analytical, someone who's very, um, uh, has a deep understanding of capital markets, debt structures, financing. Um, and, and so in that regard, this switch makes a lot of sense. And I would be, I would say I would be much more disappointed with the change as a, as a shareholder and as someone who's bullish on the prop tech space, if Eric was leaving the company, but he's not, he's focusing on what I believe is the most important initiative for the company, which is open door exclusives and their third, uh, their third party marketplace. Do you think you mentioned a few things where kind of Eric was lacking or 
at least from the outside, it seems like he was like, like the last big interview he gave was um, a few weeks ben ago. Thompson. Uh, yeah. Ben Thompson with Tretachery. Before that, the last big interview we saw was really in 2019. There were a few appearances as part of the, the IPO, but we, we didn't really hear a lot uh, from him uh, outside of the shareholder letters. Do you think um, Kerry has a different approach to dealing with in investors and, and PR and, and like hmm. information flow? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I can tell you that, um, you know, the, the fund managers that I've spoken to about Carrie all seem to really respect her opinion and feel like she's sharp um, and really knows her stuff. Um, and so I think I, my, the opinion that I'm expressing is actually quite aligned with everyone that I've spoken to in the, in the, you know, the fund space and the, the investor space. Um, but it, it sort of remains to be seen how, how verbal and, how much sharing Carrie is going to going to be doing with the investor community because I think it's so necessary for companies misunderstood as open door. Um, there needs to be space for discourse. There needs to be space for a narrative to be built for a company like this, and that's you know the space that Eric left um, for that to be done is has largely been inhabited by us, right? Like that's how we were able to really create create data doors because the company was so misunderstood. And um, there really wasn't anyone else who who took the time to to understand what they were trying to build. Um, and so that was on the one hand good for us, but I think long term, what's most necessary for for open door and and this is what we've always been aiming towards is to make the thesis for eye buying and prop tech in general more understood um, because because without it being understood, there's really no thesis. and without a thesis, you can't invest in the company. and these are all publicly traded companies that need investors. and so, um, so I think, you know, for Carrie, one of the things I would love to see is, um, an attempt, you know, to, to, to be better in that regard, to, to share more with investors, to make more appearances for interviews. Um, because at the end of the day, that's, that's probably one of the things besides execution that open door requires most. Yeah. And I guess that space was filled with a lot of uh, headlines that were not always accurate, but sometimes they were, but a lot of negative headlines. I think uh, when we look at any articles, major news site about Open Door, it was usually to run after, <laughs> after the clickbait of big losses, even if those were exaggerated from what did they actually showed. Um, but yeah, we're at a very bad time right now. Um, it's probably also not the best time to step down as a CEO after the biggest loss <laughs> in a quarter. Uh, uh, but what it, what it, the opportunity here is, is a clean slate for Kerry to come in and, um, do it better. Um, we know, uh, or it's likely that the next quarters, uh, won't see big write downs big losses for the headlines anymore. It will be probably a slow and gradual recovery. Uh, and hopefully with Carrie's help, uh, coming back to where we were in Q1, Q2 this year again. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other thing I'd say is, 
this division is kind of interesting. Like this division of labor is kind of interesting, right? Because Kerry inherits this role as CEO. And I think everyone sort of feels like, okay, ball's in her court. She needs to really execute for this, for this company. Well, um, but also at the end of the day, like open door, open door has a method, you know, it has, it has, um, it has pricing, it has operations, it has sales, it has products, et cetera. Like, like Carrie understands all of that. And all of that has sort of been, been solved for, especially since Eric, you know, Eric wasn't really managing all of that day to day anyways, right? Like Andrew Lowicky was, um, as, as president. And so I would say Carrie's job fundamentally right now is to, is to be ruthless about capital and, and to be efficient. And that, that's like a money problem that she's solving. But what they've effectively done by moving Eric from CEO to president of marketplace, they're kind of unleashing him. You know what I mean? They're kind of, they're kind of unleashing him. And in this quali qualified way where they say, you have been, you have been replaced at CEO at the worst time for your baby, for your company that's been, that you've been building and losing sleep over for eight years. And, and you've been moved to, to a different role, right? Now you're, you're not even the CEO of your own company anymore, but you are going to be president of the most important product and quite possibly will save the life of that company. And I think eliminating some of those blockades for him, eliminating some of that inertia that surrounded probably his day-to-day -day life as a CEO. I have to imagine for someone like Eric, who has discussed being um, sort of misvalued himself for, for a long time as someone who, who feels like he's been the underdog in a lot of different circumstances, that's fuel for people like that. That's like that's endless alternative fuel for people like that. And so if Eric can tap into that, if Eric can can kind of come to work every day reinvigorated about building this product and, and saving his company, I think he really has the hardest job in the company now. He has to create a product that doesn't exist and he has to make it 30% of Open Door's business, which is already at significant scale. I mean, he's the one, he's the one who really has the job to lose in the situation. Um, and he really has the most interesting part of the of Open Door's future business. Yeah, and we can talk about marketplace a little bit more in a second, but I, I think you're framing it in, in the right way. Um, from the uh, blog post, which was the email that Eric sent as part of this quite shocking announcement to the company, it it really sounds like a like a positive message. Like this is a new chapter. Um, that is better for everyone. Uh, and, and what I really liked about this is, is the personal note, uh, about Carrie and, and how she came to the business and, and how she proved herself to be really valuable to the business. Right. Uh, it's not that they're like promoting, uh, like the CFO, just the CFO to, to the CEO. It's like, this person that was involved in the company was an advisor to the company was a board member then became CFO because they really needed a CFO for the IPO and now stepping up to the CEO. Um, there's a much richer history that might be visible just from, from the headline. Right. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the other thing I'd say is uh, because of, 
because of the work we've done in the prop tech space, we've been able to be exposed to different leaders and builders. Um, and like, for example, the CEO of Divi, uh, Adena Hefetz, uh, when I spoke to her about her company, she specifically highlighted her relationship with Carrie Wheeler and how Carrie Wheeler was a huge mentor for her and um, kind of cultivated her her progression as she was coming up through the same system. Um, and she really couldn't say enough nice things about, about Carrie. And, and I think, like I said, all the investors I've spoken to as well feel the same way. Like, I, I feel like open doors in good hands. Um, and and uh, and Carrie definitely has a longer history with this company than than I think it looks like on the surface. She's been with Open Door for multiple years now. I think three three and a half. Um, so she knows it very well. Yeah, it feels like the right person on the helm to get us on a green path again. But uh, the person who has to get us on on the rocket on the rocket to the moon is is really Eric, right? And, and maybe we can talk a little bit about the, the marketplace. Yeah, I think, I think fundamentally Eric's job was not to be a steward of a several thousand person company or, or certainly not at this, at this stage. Right. And I think, I think for, for the type of individual that Eric is, his job is finding S curves. His job is, is finding the next S curve for the company so that they can go from, you know, current scale to 10x the current scale. And, and I, I think he's done it. I think he he's found what that product could be, whether or not it can be executed remains to be seen. Um, and that's, that's this marketplace idea. Um, but, but if you think about open doors, core business, it's first party, right? Open door buys a home from whoever it owns the home, it refurbishes it, it relists it, it shows it and it resells it. Right. And that's, that's a very interesting business. It's novel, um, especially if you do it at scale, but it's also a very difficult business because you're exposed to home price depreciation. You're exposed to property, ta property taxes, um, uh, natural disasters, um, debt financing, right? It's a very expensive business to run. And we've seen potential downfall for, for that business in the summer of this year when home prices dropped double digits over a period of several months, which, happens perhaps once every 50 years in the United States. Um, and so normally I would say not too much of an issue, but it, it feels especially pertinent right now. And so the question is, especially as we, as we continue wandering down this, this, uh, this very dark uh, uh, residential real estate market is what is the next expression of open doors business? And, and so Eric has come up with this marketplace model in the marketplace model, they remain the middleman, but in this situation, they don't have to own the home. And so for Open Doors Marketplace Vision, Open Door Exclusives, what they do is a consumer comes on Open Doors platform and they list a home that they own. And Open Door assembles offers from other people. So they can be individual home shoppers, they can be uh, real estate investment trusts, uh, institutional investors, uh, and, and all of those different buyers will submit offers to that individual. And if the individual selects one of those offers, then Opendoor extracts a 5% fee, which is hundred basis points less than, uh, you know, a realtor might charge uh, on average, but then also Opendoor returns 200 basis points 
of that fee to the consumer. And so that's really the value proposition is that the consumer, as opposed to paying five to 6%, they're really only paying 3% for open door to match them with a shopper. And on the consumer side, wow, what a value proposition. You don't have to show your home. You don't have to uh, really talk to anyone. You just input your address, take some photos, share some pictures, and you get a bunch of offers within a one, two week period that you can say yes to, or you can say no to, and there's no pressure, right? But, but just being able to have those offers in your back pocket, especially in this buyer's market that we're entering into, I think is really valuable for, for consumers. And I, I guess we can go a little bit in, into the details here on both the seller and the, and the buyer side, but maybe starting with the seller side, what that concretely means is um, as a seller today, I'm going to open door to get a cash offer from open door, a number. Uh, I think Eric called it like an envelope with cash that I can take now and just give away my home. Uh, 100% certainty, speed, it's gonna close in two to, uh, so two weeks to like uh, six weeks, I think is the maximum. And and I, I know that's safe. Now what Opendoor um, has been testing now for a little bit over one and a half months is this third party business in Texas where, um, I go to open door and I, and I get this cash offer, this guaranteed offer that's still there. Um, but on top of that, open door asks me, Hey, should we collect some more, uh, offers for you from, from multiple buyers? And there, there's two avenues here. One is, uh, real buyers who are looking for a home, uh, through open door exclusives, uh, so if you opt in into that, they will list that home on open door exclusives and uh, buyers can submit offers uh, for the two week period. Um, and as well, they're going to show this home to their institutional uh, investors. So open door, uh, this is quite, uh, is not that well known and we should probably do a separate podcast on how open door interacts with REITs and, and institutional investors. But like the TLDR is, uh, Opener has a platform where institutional investors can look for, for homes that they want to acquire. And, um, as part of this new seller experience, the buyer can explicitly opt in to show their home to institutional investors. Mm -hmm. After two weeks, uh, the seller today in Texas would get an email and say, Hey, all your offers are ready. And they would see there's the cash offer. Uh, guaranteed cash offer from open door, the first party offer. There's maybe a high offer from a, um, from a, from a real buyer, from a real family that wants to buy the home through open exclusives. And maybe there's a little bit of a, even higher offer from an institutional buyer. If uh, there was one that was interested in their home. And now as a seller, I can make the decision on my own based on the risks that I see based on my timeline of moving who I sell this home to without me having to list the home on MLS, deal with an agent, deal with all the other parties uh, involved. It's a much simpler process, right? Um, that's from the seller side. Now on the buyer side, the biggest question that that's what I, I put over to you, Tyler, the biggest question we get uh, is why open door? 
There's Zillow there, there's Redfin there, they have millions and millions of visitors every month. Open door doesn't have millions of buyers visiting their platform every month. Why is Open Door in the position to like take advantage of this opportunity? Why hasn't Zillow done it? Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think this is the question that comes up most frequently is why are Zillow and Redfin not also doing this if it's such a great business? And I think I think the the biggest part of this is how do you jumpstart a marketplace, right? Like how do you how do you get a marketplace going from from zero? And it's almost like striking a match or like igniting a car or like the ignition for a car, right? Or a rocket or whatever. Like you need you need something to to get the boosters going. And and I think the reason that the Zillows and the Redfins of the world can't do this is because they don't already have a first party business. And that's incredibly important for, for this marketplace, right? Is you need to have this first party business to seed the marketplace. You need to have that supply already for the marketplace um, on the one hand, but you also need to have the ability to escalate on those offers for your consumers. If your consumers come to your marketplace and you can't get any offers for the homes, then the marketplace really ceases to have any value. But if every single home that's listed on, on your marketplace by a homeowner has an open door back to offer attached to it, suddenly you have you have a product, right? Because that means that no consumer is walking away empty handed. At the end of the day, every consumer that enters in is it, at the very least getting one data point about the value of their home that's backed by money, which can be which is more than can be said by any other consumer who is listing their home on the MLS in the United States or the world, as far as I'm concerned. And so I think that's really the first step of the value proposition for the open door marketplace is that these consumers are coming in and they automatically have at least one offer on their home. And, and open door guarantees that this is the price that we will pay you for your home. But then in addition to that, these consumers are also getting all these offers from open doors, extensive collection of real estate investment trusts, um, institutional investors, which is again, a, a advantage of open door who has formed these relationships with these companies because it provides the software that these companies use to buy and sell homes uh, for, for years now, which is something that Zillow and the Redfins haven't done. And we can see evidence of the fact that, that they have a moat here because the Zillows and the Redfins have made exclusive deals with open door um, for open door to continue doing what they're doing and Redfin and Zillow to continue doing what they're doing. Right. And so I think, I think that, that's that's really probably the best evidence of of why they they can't do this is because open door has dominated this first party business and they've shown that they can do it at scale more profitably than their peers um you know recent struggles notwithstanding and so being able to see this marketplace with this first party business is step one and then um, also having these relationships and the, you know, the muscle of working with these institutional investors is step two. Really the cherry on top is this relationship with Zillow that, that is going to be started in Q1 that's going to allow more homes into Open Doors funnel through Zillow. Um, and, and that's just going to feed and, and, and allow this marketplace to grow even faster, I think. I guess the, the question on top of that is like, how is open door? They have the supply. They have a hundreds of thousands of potential sellers going to the platform, checking the offer of their home and maybe even awaiting more offers and, and are ready to list with just no commitment, uh, exclusives marketplace. 
but like where are the buyers coming from, right? Zillow has millions, uh, hundreds of millions of visitors every month. Uh, Open that doesn't. Uh, and, and I think Eric went into that a little bit in his strategy interview with Ben Thompson is, uh, and, and somebody actually shared uh, a screenshot of that in our Discord, which, which I was quite excited about because I didn't know this was a reality. So Open Door has like three big funnels to get buyers onto this page where they list homes for 14 days and then those homes disappear and go into an MLS or they disappear forever in those, maybe in the third party cases, because not, not every seller that tries to list their home on exclusives will then actually want to sell it on MLS. Um, but the, the first big one is, um, open door can cross sell their inventory with their existing MLS listings. And how Eric described that is to visit and, and tour an open door home, you need to download the open door app. You have to, or at least like submit your phone number. And I think your, your ID, your credit card to prove that you're a real human to enter a home, uh, with those electric locks that, that, that open the uses, uh, on, on their homes that are listed on MLS. And with that, they know that buyers are looking for a home, what homes they're visiting, what neighborhoods they're visiting, and they can now recommend additional homes that are exclusive, exclusively listed by open door or on, on the marketplace to, to those buyers. And one screenshot we saw from somebody, uh, trying it out. And I think it was in Austin is, mm-hmm. uh, that open door sent them, they were visiting a regular home listed on MLS and they got an SMS, uh, a text message from, from open door, uh, like recommending them three other homes that are exclusively listed in their neighborhood that they should check out. And which the, the message detail that I really love, they even exclu- included like a, uh, yeah. a link to a Google maps r- route, the best way to visit <laughs> all those homes. Uh, but that, that just shows like one way, uh, that probably nobody expects where opener already has thousands of really, uh, hot leads that are looking to buy a home that they can show those homes to. Yeah. And I, I think, I think, uh, to, to sort of add on to that too, it's like, we are now entering an, an era of, um, uh, a buyer's market, right. Which, which makes it really hard to sell your home. Um, and so I think, I think, you know, relative to the post COVID era, it's, uh, or the immediate post COVID COVID era, it's, it's geometrically more challenging to sell your home today than it was then. Um, and you're certainly not going to get the valuation now that, that you might've then. Um, and so tools are needed for home sellers to, to sell their homes. And I think, I think this really is a timely solution to that, to that problem. And it just shows kind of the creativity of the, the different ways that this product can, can gain traction and get up to that, that fabled 30% share of open doors, total market transaction by this time next year. Um, they have to be creative, right? It's like guerrilla warfare. They have to, they have to go in and, um, and be gritty and, and figure out solutions to new problems. It's like, this is the actual startup within a startup. And, and so being able to track this and, 
and we are tracking this right on Datadoor, the actual expansion of, of Opendoor's third-party and first-party marketplace is, is something that I check multiple times a day because even though it's early days and the volumes are low right now, this is the most important long-term initiative for, for Opendoor survival. Yeah, maybe as as a last question here for you, because uh, we're already at thirty minutes or something. Um, what should we expect from Opener exclusives in the next few months? I mean, we, we've seen them launching um, in Austin a year ago. Um, that has been going for quite a while. Then earlier this year, we saw them uh, launch in Dallas and Houston, and now we have a long stretch of, of not much going on other than the first party business kind of uh, being trialed in, in, in all those uh, free markets with very low volume. If we want to get to 30% of market share, what, what do we need to see in the next few months? Yeah, I think, I think open door exclusives needs to be launched um, in open doors, largest markets. Uh, over the next few months, so so I, I would expect if I was if I was designing the company blueprint based on the fact that they've already launched in Dallas, Austin, and Houston, which are top ten markets for for Open North and Dallas is is you know between one and three every quarter in terms of volume. I need to see them do the same thing in Phoenix and Atlanta, and then you know just begin down the list from there. This this is a product that should be scalable across all of their major markets. Um, and it's it's needed to be for them to achieve that number. Um, and so what I'm looking at is uh, rapid expansion across these markets. I'm looking at an increased number of active listings, a, a bigger pending pipeline. Um, and, you know, I, I would expect a similar situation to what we saw in their, their Texas markets, which is they list a lot of homes up front, get a lot of learnings, and then slowly whittle down the number of exclusives that they're listing and, and ramp up conversion rate. Um, I think the same thing is needed because exclusives is is a product that demands consumer education. It's it's something that needs to be explained. It's not like, uh, oh, this is another streaming service and you plug and play. This is, this is a brand new product that other people aren't really doing. And so Open Door is going to have to educate consumers. They're going to need marketing. They're going to need local playbooks. Um, but once they do, the economics of an exclusive sale are dramatically better than, than their first party business. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I mean, what's, this, what's interesting is like this 30% number that, that was announced. Uh, you kind of think it's coming from like somewhere i mean they said like 20 percent of those 30 percent are kind of um institutional sales that they are already doing by owning the first uh, the home first and now they're going to transition that into never owning the home in most cases uh but what's interesting is like when we saw them scale austin uh at the beginning of the year when the market was still kind of hot they started listing literally 100% of their listings on exclusives first for 14 days. And we saw them um, go up to like 30% of all their sales um, going to uh, going through exclusives in the market, which is quite encouraging. Um, so, I, so I think it's, it's attainable. We, we can get there. Yeah. 
I agree. I think it's going to take some time, but uh, I'm cautiously optimistic on their chances of making this happen. All right. Uh, I, I think that was enough uh, enough for, for our first episode. Uh, please, <laughs> uh, if, if you like this, uh, leave us a comment, uh, thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and uh, send us questions to podcast at datadora.io. And uh, you should see us again next week. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in.